I can see, you boys aren't like the usual hooligans hanging around here. Like these two fellas, uh, Buff Coat and Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in to another edition of Buff Coat and Beaver, a Beavis and Butthead podcast. I'm your co-host, Clay Cunningham, and to my hero, Barry Sheck, if you're listening out there, I'd just like to say, how about that, Mr. Fung? Oh, I hope it never stops being the 1990s or my life is over. Speaking of peaked in the 90s, my co-host is here, Adam Edward Kurtz. Say hey to the folks at home. Hello. I, um, I'll say I peaked in 99 at the age of 14. I couldn't oh, have been more than 4'11". That's I I I, <laughs> I I take I felt immediately I, I I know a certain young little lady who would disagree with this assessment that her dad her dipshit dad from high school <laughs> which I think is fair to say oh yeah was, which I think we'll actually confirm here later in this episode but uh, that 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 guy hasn't shown growth so I take it back but enough talking about our past for the time being we're here to talk as always about Beavis and Butthead and this week kind of a sort of a half couple of half spotlight episodes it's just uh, a couple of different highland high school students and just their interactions with the beloved duo we got uh, a daria centric discussion in the episode walkathon and then one of our off-discussed favorites uh stewart episode in the the episode cyber butt that's enough of the preamble this time around adam what do you say we just get right into it First episode on the docket today is Walkathon. It aired December 10th, 1994. It was the seventh episode of season five and milestone moment, the 100th episode of Beavis and Butthead. It was written by Christopher Brown and Mike Judge, directed by Mike Judge and Yvette Kaplan. Uh, the synopsis uh, Beavis and Butthead participate in a walkathon. A little bit of a spoiler here. Naturally, things go wrong. Adam. What do you have to say about Walkathon? So Walkathon, you know, they start out, Beavis and Butthead are at an assembly of the Christian Businessman Charity Case Walkathon. And um, many of the students that we regularly see in the classroom, we see at the assembly as well. And um, I know we're highlighting Daria in this one, but uh, Stuart makes a brief appearance in the audience as well. And he's his face in general is um a joy his resting face of his mouth open and kind of half cocked to the side um i truly enjoy just looking at his uh, i'd imagine just a uh, 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 sound uh going along with his face uh but clark cobb who is a christian businessman and, and his pal Sako make an appearance um and I will uh, take a sidebar here real quick, Clay, and this this Porsche Clark Cobb in general, and him being a Christian businessman, uh, remind me of our Christian path in the Methodist Church um, of not Sacco, but Hoppy. Hoppy the uh, Frog taught us some Christian values back in our day. Our, our pastor, um, who remains nameless though, had a little pet who he shoved his hand up his 
wrecked him and <laughs> told us stories of the Bible and such. And uh, we still kind of make fun of it till this day. So I, I cannot believe I didn't think I did not make that connection. I, <laughs> a little <laughs> yes, disappointed in you. I, I, so I'm hoppy. disappointed too. But uh, can you can I hear the hoppy voice? I, I'm pretty sure it was just the most generic, high-pitched voice you could... I, I, I'm pretty sure that was it, right? Yeah, I, I remember like a, it being kind of uh, our pastor, but, you know, slightly more falsetto. <laughs> yes. It was like the shittiest version of the Bob Saget America's Funniest Home Video high-pitched voice. So, um, so Clark is uh, saying some lame Christian jokes and explains that there's going to be a walkathon. Um, flash four, the guys are in a parking lot. Beavis gets a brain freeze. Um, enter Daria. She has to explain um, what a walkathon is. I love this part because she explains it once. The guys just stare at her blankly. She explains it twice. <laughs> She's, they stare at her blankly. And then the third time, uh, she puts it as plainly as you can, and uh, they finally get it. Um, she gets them to donate $10 per per mile for each uh, guy for her walkathon, and then she says she, she will split a five-cent donation for their walk. Um, so the day of the walkathon uh, is occurring. Back to Clark Cobb, who's really the hero of this episode to me. Um, I love the line, each step you take is a kick to Satan's keister. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It just has to, I wish I was uh, half as witty and just, it had to be so much fun to write the, write that line. Uh, Clark Cobb in general, what a character. Um, the guys, of course, get bored with the walk. Um, they go in a different direction. They, they're walking into traffic. Um, they finish up and uh, Clark is uh, wanting their donation to Daria. I enjoy Beavis's line, or excuse me, Butthead's line, saying, uh, could you, like, shut up <laughs> when Clark Cobb is explaining stuff to them? Um, but the boys don't have the money to pay, of course, what they pledged, and that uh, Clark Cobb says they have to pay the debt in walking, and, he, and then he oddly follows them in a car, to making sure they walk the 4,000 miles that they have to uh, walk to make up for their lack of uh, producing the funds for the debt. So um, Clark Cobb, my favorite in this episode, he made it for me. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm ready for your thoughts, but I know you're with me on Clark. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I want to start, like this maybe seems like a cheat because we're splitting it up because Stuart is the focus of our next one. But I have to say, like you mentioned like his face, and I have to say Stuart has one line, it's two words, and he, for me, almost right away steals the whole damn episode because the, from the literal set, because like Clark Cobb and so like Sacco's literally just a sock that he drew like eyes on and like a mouth. And he's just like, yeah, a false set of what the literal second Stuart sees him, he is all in on Sacco. <laughs> and it's just um, I just I, let's let's do as we like to do and play the clip. Thank you, young students. I'm Clark Cobb from Cobb's Family Hardware. Me and Sacco here want to tell you about the Christian Businessmen's Annual Charity Case Walkathon. Mr. Cobb, is it true that Jesus invented the walkathon when he walked out onto the Sea of Galilee? 
That's right, Socko. <laughs> Socko's great. <laughs> Socko's got a hand up his butt. <laughs> It's just that is such a great moment of this show knowing its characters and it's it's like you know you'd never condone bullying but like Stuart you're in high school (laughs) just come on man but and I want to talk about yeah because I I love Clark Cobb too and I want to backtrack a couple weeks ago because when we talked about Anderson it was in a shopping cart when we talked about particularly Anderson and the line I'd like to play a game of horseshoes with old Ned. Now, anything with Mike Judge, especially that character, I always associate with Texas. But you, while we were discussing, said like you saw like some Midwest elements to that to, to that particular exchange. Well, yeah. this one, and I got like a similar kind of vibe from Clark Cobb, like who just. He's just like an old man with like thinning hair, like a wardrobe that he's probably been wearing since the 70s. And like just immediately I could handpick like five people from our childhood because, you know, I think we mentioned we grew up in like white bread, rural farming, Indiana, like a lot of like, you know, it's it's not the Bible Belt. That's like the South, but it's a lot of like the same sort of like, you know, the thought process as, as the Bible Belt. And I, I, I know I can think of that, and I know you've seen people who look like that. So I got a Midwest vibe from that. But as it turns out, um, Mike Judge, apparently the look and the voice of this character were based on a former third-party presidential candidate, Ross Perot, no. who's from Texas. Yeah. So I guess there's just that sort of like overlap um, for anything. And um, yeah, I do like the, the, the Daria scene. It's it's hard to do a Daria spotlight because basically she's just there to kind of exploit Beavis and Butthead's stupidity, which takes one scene. Just like literally here, like you said, like they you said like they get it, but they they really did. They got completely confused because she they thought that she was offering to pay them when in fact like she was getting that money from them. And Butthead said like Yeah, we totally ripped her off. And yeah, so they owe all that money. Yeah, they, they owe two hundred dollars. It's paid off five cents a mile and this is just kind of like a side thing i did because yeah that's four thousand miles just like for a point of reference um i think i've mentioned before that i live in southern california so i just i don't know if this is like the furthest point from me but i just kind of like well let's look like i decided to go to maine because that's like the most northern sure. point and i found like there was a town called uh Madawaska, maine that uh, from where I live, it, I mean, it, it, it basically looks like it's about an inch and a half from the Canadian border. It's way up there. Um, I looked it up. It is 3,209 miles away. According to my maps, it would take 44 days to walk there. That's 80% of what Clark Cobb is demanding from Beavis and Butthead. Just, like, just an absolutely outrageous Kind of thing, and yeah, I love. There's there's so much funny stuff here. Like, yeah, the can you like shut up is one of my favorite butthead isms that he doesn't bring out very often. But like, can you like shut up? And the more frequently used "Hey baby" are two that I'm I'm really keen on. Um, I love too. Um, during that process, butthead also has a great line where he just says, "If I ever catch that dude that like invented the walkathon." I'm going to kick his ass, which I think is about, but if you'll remember from the clip I just paid, Clark Cobb actually says that Jesus invented the walkathon. So either, I don't know if he's either, 
like threatening to kick Jesus's ass. I, I'm more amused by the idea that Butthead doesn't know who Jesus is, <laughs> <laughs> which I mean, just um, yeah. There's all there's a lot of great stuff. Like the only thing I would say is the weak point is the actual walkathon because like almost nothing happened. Like they they break off from the group and they just go another way and they kind of like go into a bad part of town. But they're just like they walk in the middle of the street and they walk on the the train tracks and then they just end up at the back. There's not a whole lot happened there, which it, that's that I I've, I've seen this one several times and I never really and it took really kind of like watching it like through a critical eye to really even kind of notice it. But I did see it at this time. Like it feels like there's maybe some good potentially good stuff missing there. Yeah, you think they're gonna get in in some hijinks when they pull off, but yeah, they just end up. Back in the same spot like they would have walked it on the normal course. So I think to go back to your point about, you know, you, you got that Midwestern vibe. I think uh, white hillbillyism probably knows no borders. So, <laughs> you know, the same type of person exists uh, in uh, small town Indiana that exists in small town Texas. So yeah, I've never been to Texas in my life, but I can definitely imagine that there is overlap like between, yeah. <laughs> certain folks um but it's just yeah like i said it's kind of hard to talk about daria like a lot because that's basically she is just there to exploit their stupidity for her gain that's kind of daria's characteristic but it's, this is one thing like a question that seems like there seems to be like differing answers here between beavis and butthead fans i'm gonna ask what you think do you think beavis and butthead and daria like each other um I think there's a, um, I don't know, you know, I'd have to think about that for a second here. I'd say that Daria doesn't dislike them, but doesn't respect them. You know, she's she's willing to extend somewhat of a helping hand, though it might be self-serving or just seeing them be buffoons like in this episode. Um, but she is at least willing to chat with them at times, so I... I bet she's kind of neutral on it. Maybe just has the same demeanor almost towards anyone, but she might like them more than she likes other people if you think ahead to the Daria series. So. Yeah, I think it's... I, I do think it's kind of like a mutual like sort of appreciation because they are both sort of anti-authority. I mean, it's kind of different. Like Daria is just kind of like a smart, cynical person. Beavis and Butthead are just like nihilistic assholes who hate everybody. But um, I do think they're in, yeah, like, I don't, like, she doesn't respect their intellect, and I don't think Beavis and Butthead respect the fact that she doesn't look like a girl in a white snake video, which <laughs> I think is basically what it would require. But I do think there is, yeah, kind of, there, there is at least some sort of appreciation, because I know uh, Butthead even once said that uh, Daria's cool in the episode Citizen Butthead because she made a reference to interviewing Bill Clinton asking if he was, quote, jerking us around, like, in regards to a free education. So I think the use of jerking around probably aided in that. <laughs> sure. But, um, but yeah, I, I think I, I kind of there is, a, a, I think, a begrudging a respect, almost, I would say. I meant to look this up, but I didn't. So an uh, easy way to say I'm underprepared. Is Daria voiced by the same person on the show and in the series? I don't remember the name of the actress, but yes. Okay. And um, I thought so. Yeah, but uh, that's a, a little segue because I think 
more known, like this this is the most probably well-known side character uh, from Beavis and Butthead because Daria eventually got her own show that ran on MTV for five seasons and 65 episodes from 1997 to 2001. It was developed by uh, former Beavis and Butthead, I think, writers and producers Glenn Eichler and Susie Lewis. Um, the synopsis, if you don't remember, was a smart and cynical girl goes through teenage life as a proud outsider in a world of mainly idiotic adolescents and condescending adults. Adam, I know you've seen it, but I don't remember your opinion. What are your thoughts on Daria? And when was the last time you actually watched it? You know, I can't. I can't remember the last. I did watch it. I couldn't remember. I remember the dad and uh, the sister character as well, and as long and her best friend um, who had kind of the short haircut um, with black hair, was skinny. Um, I just remember the animation really standing out. It was such a stark difference from Beavis and Butthead. It was smooth and um, just organized. I, I'm not saying Beavis and Butthead is poorly done. It's deliberately crude. Yes, it's vastly different where it's, Daria is very polished and um, but still has a distinct like 2D style. So... I don't remember disliking the show. I don't know if that's a ringing endorsement, but I can't recall a ton from it off the top of my head. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I, yeah, I kind of remember thinking it was pretty good when I was a kid. It's kind of got, like, one of those those tones, like one of those snarky, like, detached, ironic kind of tones that a lot of times anymore, like, I see it, I just find it annoying. But I did, like, even before we started this, like, about a year ago when, you know, we were all getting started to the point where we had to be inside our homes all the time, I was on Hulu just kind of looking for something to watch, and I actually caught a few episodes. Um, and I'd say my opinion was mostly unchanged. Um, it's good. It's not, I don't think it's great, and I don't find it particularly memorable, because even now... There's not a lot of stuff that I specifically remember other than I really like the angry characters, like her dad, uh, Jake, who's I love. He's just like completely high strong. And I'd say the best character to me is uh, Mr. Martino. He was like a militant. He was the guy whose eyeball always popped out. <laughs> he had a great like just real like this way of speaking. Like he, he's a really, really funny, really funny, really funny character. So, yeah, like it's it's pretty good. Um I know a lot of people really love it. Um, one one person who it turns out doesn't particularly love it uh, was Mike Judge, and um, I had a quote that was ready to pull up, and now an ad came up, and I have to refresh the page, so this is embarrassing. But um, well, I I I always remember Mike Judge. I I felt like I remember like I knew he didn't have anything to do with it, but it was my understanding that he was like a fan of the show. And, um, doggone it, this, the internet's just the worst. Okay, but uh, this was from a 2004 interview with the AV Club when someone asked, what did you think of, about Daria? My judge said, I never saw much of it. A couple of the producers told me they were going to possibly spin off Daria, and I thought it might be a good idea. Next thing I knew, they were just doing it, and I wasn't crazy about some of the people they hired. I think they were trying to show they could do something without me. A normal network would never never do that kind of stuff unless you were a real asshole to them. And um, so, yeah, I mm. guess he wasn't a big fan. Wow. I wonder, that's, that's interesting, because you think he'd have some sort of possession over characters 
and uh, you know intellectual property rights. But uh, I guess not. Maybe I'm guessing MTV obviously had the the rights to that. So. I remember interesting. Yeah, I remember seeing like an old interview when he. Like, it was an old interview with Howard Stern. I don't know if it's still the case, but, like, for a long time, he had no ownership of Beavis and Butthead. So, I mean, yeah, if they spun that off completely, I, I guess he wouldn't really have any say. But, um, yeah, I was a little surprised. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, I, I, I'm not in love with the show, but I, I, I was a little surprised. But um, here we are. But, anyway, we got videos, as always, Adam. A four-pack this time around. We've got... Elvis is Everywhere by Mojo Nixon and Skid Roper. Very Best Years by The Greys. God by Tori Amos. And Houston Street by Godspeed. Uh, what, if anything, stood out to you in this group? Um, we did get another Beavis impression of Joan Rivers in the uh, Mojo Nixon song. Um I was a fan that they were just completely appalled by the song by the Greys. They thought it would rock because one of the band members had a goatee. <laughs> but um, I did have this in here. I'll, I'll get to that last. Um, Godspeed Houston Street, that video in general just made me uncomfortable. And there's an element of God smack in that too, which um, the guy did look like Al Pacino though. They did make a smell of a woman <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> reference in there. But, uh, yeah, the lead singer of Godspeed did really kind of look like Al Pacino. Then the Tori Amos, you know, Tori Amos is a controversial figure. And just, like, I feel like people either love her or just don't get it at all. I, I've i never really given her the time, so I'm interested in your thoughts on uh, Tori Amos. I had no idea my, where you might land with her. I I don't really have an I mean, I know who she is. I, I mean... I, I literally, like, before this, I even had to look at my notes to know this song. I don't think I can name a Tori Amos song. I mean... I, I, I'm liking the people that love her really love her, you know? She's got so. kind of like that Lilith Fair energy, which I know, like, a lot of people attach to. I mean, I, she might be good. I really have no idea. Um, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I saved that for Yeah, yeah. It, 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 the build-up was well <laughs> worth it. Um, well, I like... Well, I think, like, in the Mojo... Like, the, uh, yeah, the Mojo Nixon Skid Roper video, where Beavis mentions that he at one point got swindled out of his money by a TV evangelist, which I thought kind of attached nicely because we find out later in this episode that Butthead doesn't know who Jesus is. So that's, and maybe, maybe gives credence to the fact that he literally just wanted to kick Jesus's ass. Um, and I really like um, the, um, the Grays video you mentioned, like, cause they were doing kind of a comparison. They mentioned, um, this was like Butthead gave like like one description and then Beavis added to it and like Butthead is like this is like a mixture of Stone Temple Pilots and Beavis goes my na and my nads it's like <laughs> Nelson yes. and my butt and Billy Joel and <laughs> some turds <laughs> that I mean that was the standout to me I, not a lot jumped out to me in either Tori Amos or Houston Street although they did say they thought Tori Amos was kind of freaky so I guess maybe they fall on the uh, the anti Tori Amos side. She's rats on her and stuff. It was a weird video. Well, we are at the midway point, and as we are wont to do, we're going to take a little break, but we will be back after these words from Anchor. Buff, Code, and Beaver. What if Buff, Code? 
boat was Beaver. That, uh, that is the name of our podcast, sung to the tune of One of Us, the 1995 hit song by Joan Osborne. Once again, never let the 90s in. Side note, now that we get off track, Adam Becker talking this a little bit. I went back and listened to that song. It's awful. That was a, I dare you, dare I say mega hit? I remember that video on all the time, and that song played constantly back then. Yeah, well, because I remember, yeah, the video was just like a close-up, and she had that giant nose ring. But, dude, it's it's literally like, what if God was like, a person, man? <laughs> am, I, am I blowing your mind? Like, no, no, no disrespect, Ms. Osborne, but no, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, that's enough God Just talk. A slob uh, like one of us. Got n- enough God talk, uh, Adam. What do you say we get into some pornography? Sure. Tell the people about Cyberbutt. Cyberbutt, season seven, episode ten, it was from 1997 on the 21st of February. Beavis and Butthead for Stewart to get porn websites off Highland High's internet system. Mike Judge directed, and Christopher Brown and Mike Judge wrote it. Play, you'll talk about it. Yeah, this is like when I was going through it. Um, you know, you and I were teenagers, right? As you know, sort of the internet was gaining traction, and you know, being like you know, basically nuclear bombs of uh, of hormones at the time. There are certain <laughs> things about this that I think are kind of relatable. That we'll get into later. But this one, I think, is going to be maybe a little more anecdotal than I like to. So I'm going to split it up. I'll just start by talking about the episode. Um, I would say to bring back this bit, like this is not on the Mike Judge collection. I would say this is probably my second favorite episode to be admitted. But I have to say, I think to me, this might be the most surprising omission. Because like for starters, though, we talked about this is kind of a Stuart thing. And we love the Beavis and Butthead and Stuart dynamic. And I think this is a, almost a perfect way to play play that out. Because, yeah, what happens is they... they, they I, and this is also a nice remember, like, when you remember the school library got the computer. <laughs> not, even like, not even like a full system, just the computer. And uh, Mr. Van Driesen is telling the class about, you know, how this is our nice way into the, the World Wide Web. But he mentions, like, how... You don't want to look at pornographic websites, which Beavis and Butthead didn't know that you could get internet porn. But yeah, once they hear that, they're all in. And they overhear Stuart just you know, giving sort of like generic 90s computer nerd talk. And uh, they kind of realize, you know, this is uh, this is our way in. And they basically kind of bully and they just, they just kind of like they use the fact like we talk about how Daria manipulates Beavis and Butthead to get what she wants. Well, this is like the inverse of that where Beavis and Butthead are, you know, playing up Stuart's insecurities and his desire to just be their friend uh, to get in pornography. And I just, I love the way it plays off each other because Stuart is just horrified of the consequences. Like if they get caught looking at porn in the school computer and Beavis and Butthead, I mean, literally do not pay one second of thought to what's going to happen. They just want it. uh, It's a nice, yeah, welcome to the future. Here's your free porn. <laughs> this kind of thing, but I love that line. Like they, they hassle them to the point where at one point they're literally standing outside the bathroom while he's taking <laughs> yes. a dump. And uh, that's when he, you know, he he agrees to uh, finally show them. 
And, you know, it has the great scene like where they start off, um, they, and they're standing by, you know, the one lone computer in the library, and Stuart brings up this image, and um, the first one comes up, it basically looks like a J.C. Penny shot. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just sort of a general thing, like, like just a standard model clothing. I don't even think there's cleavage. It's just basic. It's like as basic a basic shot as it gets. But then Beavis notices on the side of the page, he's like, whoa, what's that? And then Stuart says, oh, no, that's illegal in this state. What the hell is this website that these two images are together? <laughs> I have no idea. Yes, the first shot's so mild, but they do think that's a good start, though. Yeah, but um, yeah, then they opened it, and um, it uh, it blows their mind. Like Stuart gives it, oh my god, and like yeah, Beavis and Butthead are blown away. And then the librarian walks by, and they just, does she, I think she's does she say oh my stars? Actually, I don't think she did, but she's just like oh, and then she just faints. And um, yeah, they end up getting sent to McVicker's office, and um, they get sent uh, to detention. So. Uh, that's kind of like you know the, the basic outline. Um, well, first of all, what what are your thoughts on the episode as a whole? I um I don't want to be the wet blanket here, Clay. I think you like this one more than I did. Um, it, it's okay. It's good. It's good. Um, it sticks with the theme of Van Driesen introducing something that they would never think of on their own, which you know that seems to happen quite often. I, like you, enjoyed Stuart on the can, and they're standing outside still just pressuring him. Um, we did get our first come to butthead as well. That So far in our uh, our podcast tenure here. Um, and <laughs> you knew they were going to completely throw Stuart under the bus, too. Butthead kind of owned up to it. Um, but... <laughs> I don't know if I'm t- stealing any of your thunder here, but it did the the episode ending by them squinting at the Game Boy, like at a stick with uh... it's Tetris pieces. <laughs> yes, so they squint really hard. It looks like a female. Um, so yeah, I I thought the episode was good. I enjoyed Stuart and I and the pressuring of him, uh, but it was I I, I just. It wasn't one of my all-time favorites. Was there anything specifically that you objected to? No, I didn't object to anything in it. It's just, um, I think you could kind of see where it was going. You know, it was a little predictable for me, and and you knew Stuart was going to do it. You knew Stuart was going to get in trouble, and somehow they were going to show a little bit of the discipline action of it. So, and not saying it was bad, you know. Like I said, I was compared to Three Stooges. You know where 87% of those episodes are going, and you still enjoy how they get there to the end. But, uh, you know, maybe I just wasn't in the mood. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little bit of a crank today. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say. What is this, Christmas with the cranks? There's a... Oh. oh that's uh Yeah, that's... We'll, we'll edit that one out in post. But um, <laughs> uh, I think it's kind of... Now this is little story time that I'm gonna kind of drag you into. Like it's because I kind of mentioned, you know, and and we're not saying this is not anything with our adulthood. Like there there is a stigma to being adults and like talking about like all the porno you watch and all that stuff because you know I mean 
They're just so so I, I'm not speaking as a 37 year old man in a burgeoning relationship that means a lot to me, and I'm not speaking for you, a near to be 36 year old father. This is not you know like your current thing, but like I said, we kind of grew up in this time when we're just like raging hormones, and then there's like this opportunity. I, I think. You know, every so often you see, like, you're on Facebook or something, you see, like, those memes is, like, only 90s kids will understand. And it's, like, a picture of, like, a gigapet or something. Yeah. And it's, like, oh, this was my childhood. All those comments. I think if we were truly being honest with ourselves, what happens in this episode is kind of that to a point because sure. it's just... I, I mean, Those middle and, school and, years but, are awful. Yeah, and it's just basically like, and when you hear like again, yeah, like not saying anything like as an adult, but it, like for people like, oh, I never looked at pornography when I was a child. What are you talking about? It's like literally, <laughs> you. It's like a limitless amount to it. Oh, I meant to apologize to my mom beforehand because she listens to this, but it's actually it might actually get worse. <laughs> but I mean, it's just like with. Every imaginable sexual proclivity is just there for you. Of course you did, because you just have all this ball of energy and you don't know what to do with it kind of thing. But I think there's a lot of the stuff that really, which is maybe why I liked it more than you. There's like, I know at the end when they get Mick Vickers asking, I need to know how you did this. Like it's super complex <laughs> to get pornography on the Internet. Um, but I, I kind of remember, I don't even remember who it was. But I specifically remember being told, like, to avoid adult websites because it was like, oh, there's, you know, there's no way to delete the history. So people will see it. And I, I think there was kind of like an, oh, dear, I better straighten up and fly right. Well, inside's like, yeah, you can. I already know how to do it. I don't even have a computer <laughs> at my house and I know how to do this. <laughs> but uh, and it's also and this is kind of. Uh, a shot I love, too, of, like, right before they see the pornographic image, like, you see Beavis, like, manic Beavis. Like, he basically has a finger in his mouth, just like, oh, God, what's going to happen? And this is, now, this one I really have to apologize to my mom because this is, like, <laughs> happened at her house. As you will remember, Adam, I believe it was either between our sixth and seventh grade or seventh and eighth grade years. We, back, you know, back, the old, the local video store, we, ha <laughs> you, me, and another one of our friends, happened upon a little movie called Bikini Summer 2. Oh, mercy. It was all, basically all summer, we were trying to come up with the courage to rent this movie. We finally did it on the last day of summer vacation, and we watched it together at my house, and um, I, I, I can remember, like, because, I mean, I think we'd seen... Like maybe maybe a few magazines. I don't know. I didn't have we didn't have internet at our house at this point. But this was just like this is gonna be like real live boobs in a movie. And uh, well, what's your recollection of that? Because I I certainly remember. Like is Beavis Beavis's reaction is relatable to that? No. First of all, I have to go. It's my bikini summer. <laughs> Um, goodness gracious, I do remember that summer. That's, uh, that absolutely is anecdotal in that one. I, 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 I'm pretty sure it was you who finally worked up the courage to go into Video Stop 2. <laughs> was it Video Stop 2? What was, was the name It was Video, of? I don't know if it was Stop, video I think it was plus? Video Plus 2. Video, video Plus 2. two. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, um, yeah. Probably shaking, you know, taking that box up to the counter. 
<laughs> but then the pure elation <laughs> when you came out of that video store, man, that's, that is like you won the summer right there, you know? <laughs> it was it was the best day, last day of summer ever. And there was just a, a nervousness behind all of it, you know, popping it into the VCR. and I mean, it was probably like 2 in the afternoon when <laughs> we watched it. Yeah, something. we had to find that window before my mom got home from work, so... <laughs> But um, yeah, I. But by the way, like you, you showed me this just by coincidence. This is how we basically have five stories from our lives. Um, but you showed me a link. This movie is available on eBay, used for seventy dollars. New. What was it? One hundred and ten. Yes. So yeah, there's there's an audience for it. But um, and then I, there's there's one more, and this is another one of our stories. Like so emboldened by the bikini summer two purchase. Like this, this became like ritual. Like we, we, we always said we're going to rent porno, but it's really just R rated movies that might've had some nudity. <laughs> and one in particular, I know, you know, this story, cause it kind of goes with, like with Beavis being aroused by the Tetris pieces. There's <laughs> one. I don't remember. I, I don't have the slightest clue what the movie was called or what it was even about. Cause there wasn't even like any specific nudity except like the closest thing was one scene at the very beginning, I could finish it for you if you want me to. What's that? I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah, okay, but it's um, <laughs> it's a uh, a woman. You can see her just through a shower curtain. You can make out a few nipples. This was like the only nudity in the movie. So like when it got over, we we probably five or six times fast forwarded because it's a VHS copy to the point where um, we, we, there was just one line to a song that we heard on and over again. And uh, those lyrics were... For the right. It's yeah, this over and over again. We just see this woman turning into a shower and, and then just, For the right. And, and how has there been a... This, this was still the 90s, so this is well over 20 years. Has there been a year that has passed where we haven't made reference? One of us hasn't just gone, For the right. Like at least five times in a year oh it's um <laughs> it's it, you know that stuff is so like it's coming of age like to, to think otherwise i think that's the way to explain it you know is like it's so stupid looking back and i think that's why we relate to the show and I, it's funny looking back on it and how cringy those times were and um it's just it's fun to look back and just those summers were so wasted on stupid stuff like that but the memories are fun but we have, um, what i mean what else were we gonna do we just like yeah. we, we, we the, the opportunity to see breasts weren't available to us so i mean and, and truth be told if that was the worst trouble we were going to get in i think we were still pretty good kids yeah um, yeah i think so so yeah consider that mom when you're getting upset <laughs> about us watching breast-filled r-rated films while you were off I mean, at work <laughs> yeah we, we were pretty like that truly was probably the worst thing we did and uh, i'll toss in another song uh there though clay if you'll remember computer madness <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was that was like a movie that had one actual scene of nudity that you could see. Again, I, I wish I wish we could be more descriptive. So, like, if somebody out there listening knew these movies, because I feel yeah. like we're getting off, we're completely off the rails. You got to toss in Under Siege two as well, or Under Siege one. It was the, the first one. Cake. Yeah, the birthday right cake. Out of the birthday one. cake. That yeah, a, that's under. Yeah. 
goodness yeah. gracious yeah breast breast films galore but um i mean that honestly though if you think about it that's probably like the five times in the 90s that we've actually yeah. accomplished looking at that stuff so. hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> we were we were on our way man um music videos only one this time poison by the prodigy thoughts you know, I, you and I think differ on the Prodigy here. I think the Prodigy is so far ahead of their time that uh, they're really... I really need to dive deep into their catalog. But, you know, I've listened to uh, a couple of their albums a few times. And, man, they just... They really were just... Uh, they had some great, great music back then, especially for the era it came out. There was a Hootie and the Blowfish reference in there uh which i enjoy beavis and butthead ripping on hootie which we i know we both had crack for your view but uh yeah the prodigy man i, I like the prodigy and they're just... similar with beavis and butthead sorry to cut you off is where they were banned or a couple of songs got pushed at some certain slot time slots which just made them more famous so i'll get off the prodigy but yeah I like well that's a kind of like well the, yeah like i'd say if there's the biggest difference between us is our opinions of electronic music, like that's sure. that's your bread and butter. Like I I was at a like a hockey game a couple weeks ago that was a dubstep heavy soundtrack, mm. and I mean like if you can differentiate what any of the difference between any of those songs, I guess you have a more keen ear than me. I don't like it. I don't hate the Prodigy, or I I remember them being Prodigy. I don't. When was it the? I think I, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. I. I think but, I might have added the, or it's. I but don't no, it says the. Like, but I. Uh, it's I just know. yeah. It, it, it wasn't like for me, but I like. There's like Firestarter. I think is kind of a cool. Like, I like the ending of that song in particular. But like this video, I'd never heard this song, mm-hmm. and I just remember it does basically like yeah. Beavis and Butthead mentioned it's like a tribute to feces, and it is kind of like it does seem like they're kind of just rolling around on their own shit at times. Yeah, it's it's, it's a gross. strange one. Yeah, they were a, a strange, visu- a visually strange band, too. Um, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think like every every new musical genre that becomes somewhat popular always ends up becoming bastardized, and I think that's probably what you heard at that hockey game. But uh, Prodigy, the real roots of electronic music there, and uh, yeah. Good stuff. But, but this is like a one, and I'm going to throw, like, I've, <clears throat> for years, as people remember, like, their lead singer, the late Keith Flint, if you remember, he basically turned male pattern baldness into, like, a punk rock haircut. <laughs> but it just, like, he just had these spiky things. And I've, I've, I've entertained the idea of dressing as him for Halloween in, in the past. And I'll, I'll throw this out here. I'll, I'll do this. And I, I think we have to know our audience. Like, we don't get a lot of responses, but... Um, I'll say we'll give out the contact information like if like Facebook, Twitter, our email. If we get fifteen responses Ooh. of this particular image, uh, this particular line, I will dress as Keith Flint for next Halloween. I won't even put it like, like if we get fifteen by November first, twenty twenty one. I'll go with it for twenty twenty two, but I'll give it. But the the <laughs> message I want is smack my bits up, which. If you remember, one of Prodigy's songs was called Smack My Bitch Up, which, for whatever reason, people objected to those lyrics. I don't know why, but like if you do a YouTube search, it comes up Smack My Bits Up. So, 15. Oh, I will go a, with... I'll, I'll, 
you know, that's a reasonable amount. That's a, that's a good bar there. Please, I would really... I don't know if I want to see it or not, but uh, <laughs> it would be... At the very least, I, I mean, I, I'll consider because he dyed his hair like pink and green. I, I don't know that I'll do that. I might, but I'll do the haircut. Anyway, we'll get to that to the end. Oh, I got to ask, though, do you, are you taking a photo into a great clips and saying, give me this? Uh, I, I haven't gotten that far ahead, but you know, I dressed as buzz cut with the halt with the haircut like five years ago and they, they did it. So I, I'll trust, I'll trust that it can be done. Professional hairstylists can work miracles, man. Okay. Um, all right. Best episode, Adam, what do you got? You know, I'm going with walkathon. I enjoyed walkathon, uh, and Clark Cobb did it for me. Uh, I, I love the character who break, he broke out Sacco, um, it was uh it was solid and i i it's pretty close to me but um i'm actually gonna go the other way like i'm gonna give a slight edge to cyber but for the reason that i mentioned the walkathon the actual walkathon is the weak link of that episode to where i think as i mentioned like the anticipation of seeing the the naked image i think really delivered in cyber but <laughs> So that, I think, is kind of the separating of what I think are otherwise uh, equal episodes. Yeah, you're, you're calling it a tie. We don't have enough no. ties here, so I, I, I right. like that. Um, it, it makes things super contentious afterwards, but uh, I, I think we're, we're keeping it keeping it in pretty good spirits here. Um, <laughs> it's not like you're running out of gas. <laughs> I'm wrapping it up here. Yeah, All right, here we go. going faster than my brain here. Um, <laughs> as always, yes. And now you have actually more incentive to contact to contact us via email at buffcoat. Oh, okay. Let's let's just regroup. All this will be added out in post. You can email us at buffcoatandbeaverpod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at buffcoatandbeaverpod and on Twitter at Butthole and Joe, any of those, 15, then I will do my Smack My Bits Up Keith Flint costume for Halloween. Uh, next week, uh, we're going to be a little more narrow, not kind of going like through two characters. Um, we have the connecting things. Beavis and Butthead are involved in some type of phone service line. We will be doing this through the episodes 1900 Beavis and Crisis Line, but... I'm pretty much, as, as we've already determined here, I'm completely out of gas. But Adam, you got anything else to lay on the listeners before we call it a week? Please uh, send in Smack My Bits Up. Just because I, not only would the haircut be, like, awful, but you having to explain if you go out for Halloween, which I doubt, I don't know, if you go to a party or something, maybe you're vaccinated, and you just having to explain who you are. I think would be almost more enjoyable to me because no one will know. So I, I would think like Halloween would be the easy point. What if I have to like, go out for work that <laughs> time? That's my concern. But yeah, I, I, I promise like no matter, no deadline, whenever it happens, I will do that costume for the, most, the upcoming Halloween. All right. I'm on. I'm on board. I'm going to be promoting the hell out of this. Well, thank you, as always, folks, and uh, we will be back.